0: If you think about the traditional front three, including Firmino, they were close to each other, and they just seem systematically right now. Liverpool are not clipping. Subscribe now to the
1: OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app.
0: While 22 Irish players are involved as the new AFLW season gets underway this coming weekend, delighted to say that we're joined by Morris Brosnan of the 42.8. Morris, how are you getting on? Great, really, How about yourself? Yeah. um, Can we start maybe about the contract situation? Because you've been writing about this a little bit and the aforementioned Zach Toohey, who is closing in at this stage rapidly on Jim Stein's record. And, you know, potentially Geelong might finally give him a premiership medal at the age of 32. (coughs) Um, But it would seem based on some of the local reports in Melbourne that he will be staying at Geelong beyond the end of this contract, which is running down currently.
1: Yeah you know it's funny well if you had asked me to talk to you about this this time last year I probably would have and you you know you'd asked me about that Jim Stein's record or an Irish player winning a premiership I would have said not not in a long time I don't see it happening in the next couple of years and if you're going to ask me today I think we have a good chance of both happening um, in, in terms of Zach getting a, another year in one sense i probably not actually surprised Geelong would be known as a club uh critics would kind of call him nearly a, an old folks home <laughs> disparagingly because of the amount of players they have who are over 30. Now, in saying that, they're also a club who defy the, the yo-yo nature of AFL with the draft. And partly that is because of the fact that they hold on to their experienced players and get the most out of them. So as you know, you look at his performances this year, they've been absolutely phenomenal. It, it's kind of remarkable how, once again, this guy who I think even he would admit it himself, he wasn't sure if he was going to play beyond this year, has been a, a, just an absolute stalwart for them again. Um, so yeah, he it looks like, at least according to the long advertiser he's going to have another year deal um, Mark O'Connor probably hasn't had as good a year I would say this year but he still is you know, he's still playing every week the two boys are playing every week they will be heavily involved That, as you mentioned that's a qualifying final so even if they lose that they're not actually out uh, the fact that the tops the, the premiership gives them that small bit of leeway but in, in terms of from a contract position they're both going to be there they're both right in the reckoning I think they're have a good chance as they probably ever have had of, of winning a premiership I, right now it did kind of be my show to be honest
0: mm. once upon a time Zach Tuohy used to talk about potentially when he got to the 32, 33 he might consider his future in Australia potentially come home and play for Leash for a few years because of the young nature of when he went across he was signed at 17 and went across when he turned 18 to Australia and he's been there ever since he never got the chance to play for the Leash senior football team I think hopes of that are probably fading for Leash supporters at this stage because last week he tied the knot with his long term partner He's potentially now going to sign at least a one more year, which along at this stage, I think it's probably unlikely we'll see him play Gaelic football now, unless it's into his mid 30s.
1: Yeah, yes, I know, I would say, well, I think they're. If, if you ask Zach, I would say he he still is open to the idea of coming back to Leash whenever he does retire. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, that would be in his in his mid-thirties if that does happen. I would just say too that I would you know he he mentioned that a lot, but um you know as you mentioned, he went over there when he was 17, 18, went to Carlton, and that didn't end the way uh you know you talked to sports supporters now, they will still bemoan the fact that they were less Zach Toghi go with what was perceived by many to be kind of an, an insulting offer in a sense, a, a contract offer, and you know the again going back to this idea of Geelong, they would be very big on culture and their team buy-in and whatever, whether you believe that or not, one man who does absolutely believe that is Zach Doherty. He is just loyal to a fault. And th- I know I spent some time with him in Geelong last year Um he swears and dies by that club and his teammates. So I think the, as long as they want him around, he will be there, which I guess is unfortunate for, for Leach and for Port Leach.
0: Yeah, we will talk about the amount of female Irish players who've gone across 22 this season, which is quite remarkable in a few minutes. But Pretty much every player I've spoken to who has gone out to Australia and not necessarily going to the same club. I know he was very important to O'Connor when he went into Geelong, but too, he seems to be really important as somebody to make contact with when players sign and go over to Australia. He's helped a lot of these lads out along the way.
1: He has, and it's partly because sometimes I find it funny when you hear players talking about the, the issues they encountered or whether that be, you know, homesickness or the difficulties that would kind of naturally happen when you go to Australia. And the thing is, you know, Zach also undergone all of that stuff and he just persevered through it you know he's the ultimate pers- he's it's really a, t- a testament to persistence and resilience really um you know he got off a plane and he was straight away thrown in to do the 2k tan which is you know an after grueling run and no bother and from then on he just puts the shoulder to the wheel gets the work and um, i think that he would be he actually is respected in that regard not just by irish players but actually by australians as well so it's only natural that he would be kind of a, a natural sounding board for for players going over there and also you know as you mentioned Again, uh, it's kind of ironic, I, you know, and maybe Zach won't like like me for this, I wouldn't have seen him getting to Stein's record right up until this year, but he just continues to defy, I guess, uh, my my measly expectations. And, you know, he he will become, I think, the greatest Irish player we've ever seen in the AFL. I think a Premiership will absolutely crown that if they were to get that this year. Yeah, and how important would
0: a Premiership be if he's to be remembered like some of the Irish players who've got their hands on a Premiership medal? Is that needed as part of the collection?
1: That's a great question, Will. And, you know, I I remember I actually asked Zach this last year and he he told me that if he doesn't, and this, you know, you got to think about this, like this guy's played 246 games in the AFL. He's playing for one of the best teams in the league. You know, he's playing, he's playing week in, week out. He's, an, he's a star. He probably should have gotten an Australian a couple of years ago. And uh, when I asked him about winning a premiership, he told me that he would view his career as a failure if he doesn't get a premiership. Now this is a guy who's, you know, other than Jim Science, nobody's come close to what this guy has achieved. And he, yeah, even still, so to his mind, regardless of the, the perception, to, like to my, to my mind, it, it doesn't really, you know, I, I would kind of roll my eyes to be honest at the, counting medals and that being a, a testament to somebody's career. Like you could probably have to do a bit more analysis of it. But to his mind anyway, it certainly is a, a huge deal. So as, as long as Zach is around, he is absolutely determined to get a premiership. And as I mentioned, I, I do think this is as good a chance as they had ever. Like you look at somebody, you could put holes in a lot of teams in the top eight this year, whereas you know, Geelong are coming into this off the back of a 13 game winning streak. Like they're in red hot form.
0: Can you explain to me why the game against Collingwood them will be at the MCG? Because surely if you top the ladder, you should get home advantage.
1: Yeah, that's a good question, and you would think so too. Uh, GMBH Stadium in Geelong is a smaller stadium. It's an absolutely brilliant stadium. I would highly recommend anybody to try and get down there. Uh, you're right on top of the ground. It's really tight, but uh, when you can get, you know, close to twice as big a crowd into a ground it's probably only natural that and technically you know you could probably make the case that which uh, you know again is a stretch case because Collingwood are a Melbourne club too but Geelong isn't that far from um, isn't that far from Con- so, from Melbourne so I guess that's the, the justification for it it's, ha- it's a hard one to necessarily wrap your head around and I'm sure you know Geelong would much Geelong's record as well at home is, is brilliant too but again as I said it's probably because of the nature of the ground and the fact that they are just a really strong team anyway
0: Yeah I always want to entertain the Australians huge your time out there as well they kind of see distances slightly different to us where- where <laughs> um, in Geelong, it's like, oh, I live about 40, 50 Ks outside Melbourne. I'm just outside the town. Uh, while in Ireland, that is seen as a significant distance.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's a normal thing to drive two hours just to go for dinner. It's, it, was, it was a hard thing to get my head around when I was out there, all right. Um, Colin O'Riordan, how's he getting on
0: at Sydney? Because you know, a couple of years ago, we saw him um, play a pretty crucial role when he was back home during the pandemic with Tipperary. I think his, um, he says a year left in his contract, does he, Morris, at this stage? Yeah.
1: He's actually out of contract at the end of this year, this Will, okay. and, um, yeah, and, um, uh, like, like, you know, I sometimes people ask me, like, about my experiences in Australia, and one of them, my main takeaways was just how an impressive um, kind of athlete or teammate Colin O'Riordan is, like, people just absolutely swear by him, he is so popular, I was not one but surprised when he won Best Clubman last year. He's enjoyed just a nightmare a year. Like it's it's you know, it's cruel in a sense that when you look at last year, and this is a guy who got caught up in I don't know if you remember a couple of the Irish players attended uh, Australia versus France rugby game. And because of Melbourne's kind of some somewhat deemed very strict COVID rules, he was deemed as a contact and ended up because he crossed out of the state afterwards, he ended up missing you know weeks of action. And he comes back this year and again, you know, looks like he's gonna nail down a spot in the back line. Is playing incredible stuff in the VFL, like regularly getting more than 30 disposals. And early in the season, gets a freak injury. He gets poked in the eye. I did like lasting damage. I think you know he still had weeks later. He still had visible damage to his eye. Um, So he was ruled out obviously with that. re monitoring that comes back in like forces his way back in despite the fact that you know he's probably uh, Sydney were in pretty decent form at the time. But he, he and he was out of action. But manages to force his way back in. Plays five games. Gets a concussion. Persists through that. And then a a a long-standing hip and groin injury flares up and just grinds into to an absolute halt. You know, for for weeks and weeks he wasn't even able to run. Um, The latest updates from the clubs is that he's not going to play this year. They actually are in the in the eight, and you know he was. You go back to this time last year, he was playing in the finals for for Sydney, so he would be a good bet to play if he was fit. But unfortunately, he's not fit, and it's coming at a. Just a really cruel time. Will you know, you, you got to think about this—a guy who's trying to earn a, you know, another year in his contract, who is contributing absolutely off the field, and will, will always do so. But he would, you know, you when you talk to him, he has got just this relentless determination to prove it on the field, and for one reason or other, he's not able to do that now. So, it's it's just, you know, you have to feel for a guy like that—a guy who, you know, I, I again as I go back to. Just, just, he's just one of the tough-nosed people you know? he's a guy I think Zach Tohey as it happens has mentioned to me a couple of times that Colin is a guy he would love to play with because of just his, his hard-nosed nature shoulder to the wheel he does not believe in the idea of born talent this guy is about you know, absolute graft every single day and uh, for, right now he just can't he can't prove it on the field which I, I guess must be just you know, heartbreaking really
0: yeah it's difficult when you're in the middle of negotiating time as well he'll probably be hoping though that maybe his body of work at the club and given how highly regarded he's been at the Swans as well that that will perhaps influence them to offer a new deal in the coming
1: weeks. Absolutely. And also he's proven, you know, he's he had, and this is a big thing, I think, for Irish Bear, he has proven AFL quality as in terms of he's been out there and done that. For a lot of these other guys who are mirroring the end of their deals, you know, there's a couple of guys now who are approaching that kind of business end of the season, but a lot of these guys haven't actually played yet. So they're they haven't made their debut, is what I mean. So they're what you know, a list manager is looking at this and they're adjudicating based on their their ceiling. Whereas you're looking at a proven body of work with somebody like Colin. And on top of all that, you've got the contribution he makes around the club, which is just you know, I really can't stress that enough. It's you know, anytime you talk to anybody in Sydney, the one guy they go back to is is Colin O'Rearden. Even on prompters, uh, Marky Gallen, who's actually back in Ireland now, he's a centre condition coach in Sydney last year, raves like just absolutely raves about Colin O'Aden. And um, I spoke to Barry Connor recently; it's the same thing again. He just he can't speak highly enough of him. So, I think all that on top of it all would would strengthen his case absolutely.
0: I was reading your piece in the 42.ie a couple of days ago and you were mentioning even about Barry O'Connor and some of the other players. It's so difficult for these guys even when they go over there to say compete at VFL level first of all to try and impress and then to get into the first team which maybe just when we talk about Jim Stein's record and what he's doing at the moment even if you go over there with remarkable talent and you've been scouted over here it's a difficult thing to actually break into the AFL first team squad.
1: Yeah, you know, you have to hit the nail on the head there, Will. And one, one thing I would kind of stress about when you're looking at this, from the outside looking in, and this, I, I, the only reason I kind of stress this is because this would have been my misconception when I looked at players who maybe come back and, you know, I would have never bought into this. But sometimes they themselves would kind of, you know, buy into the idea that they were deemed a failure because they didn't play in the AFL. And then you talk to clubs about, and, you know, I, I would pose the question, what actually went wrong? And frequently they would come back and say, oh, this guy absolutely was good enough to play in the AFL. Like, he absolutely, you know, we could have played him and he could have played five, ten games, but... When we're going for an Irish pair, when we want to invest all this in, and you know, when you sign an Irish pair, you know, let's say right now, for example, there's clubs scouring Ireland, and they'll probably sign a player or two at the end of this off-season, and they'll be a Category B rookie, which means they sit outside the salary cap. So you've got 45 players, every team has got a, a salary cap, but these players are outside that. So you know, you could deem that a free hit, really, because they're not going to take from your salary cap. But if you're doing that, you know, it's obviously there's a cost associated with that, and you want to invest a lot of resources into them. So when you're doing that, if you sign a a lot of these clubs would look at a guy and say we don't want this guy to play 10 games we want them to be able to play 100 games and if he can't do that we're going to try and find another guy to do exactly that so that's why you see players come back really talented players and you're looking at anything this guy you know he didn't play a game in the afl and he was capable he was absolutely capable of playing and the club will tell you that but what they want is a guy who can play 100 games or more you know they need somebody who's you know uh uh, Conor McKenna, uh, real point of difference. Uh, Zach Tohy is a, a classic case example, you know. And Zach, on top of everything else, has been a halfback. He's a really accurate kicker, which sometimes the Irish players would, would kind of struggle with that. But they, they, they need to build it around the point of difference. You know, Conor Nash is a guy. He just played 50 games. He made broke 50 games this year, which again is a fairly considerable feat. But again, th- what he's bringing to that team is, you know, apparently it's more so to do with his rugby background, I would argue, than his Gaelic football background. But you know, he's in the guts uh, in the midfield here is what I mean. He's throwing his body around. You know, real strong presence. He, he's he's big and he's a really good tackler, but he's also got a lot of pace. So so from contest to contest, he's there every single time, which is his again his point of difference. So when they're looking to a an Irish player, it's not that you know you actually nearly need to bring your threshold higher. It's not can you play an AFL game? It's can you bring us something different and play, you know, multiple, multiple AFL games.
0: Is it likely to become a little bit more difficult for Irish guys to get recruited? I mean, very clearly through the AFL's Europe combine, they're still looking at players and you say they're still scouring the market, but you're seeing players perhaps going into the AFL from slightly different backgrounds compared to before. They're now looking at college athletes in the United States. We're talking about maybe some guys who didn't make it into the NFL NFL, who are now being looked at as potential AFL players. As the net starts to spread a bit wider, will it become more difficult for Irish players to make it down there?
1: Uh, but part, Yeah, but maybe. I, I think the main obstacle right now is that the combine that used to come, as you mentioned, there used to come to Ireland every single year, uh, was suspended because of COVID. So this combine is just a camp. They invite, you know, twenty twenty-five guys up, uh, invite list managers there. They, you know, it's run by um, Kevin Sheehan, who's, you know, I was a famous player for Geelong, is now the AFL international manager. He comes in, they get a couple of guys here based in Ireland to come in and just have a look at these players. And from that, they put So that's where Colin Roden for example, actually, he came through the combine. Now, you know th- that's one element a big element but only one element of the scouting network and there's you know there's employees right now in ireland who are employed by clubs and they are still scouting and you know rest assured well like this it's going to come back up towards the end of this off season there will be players approach um, it, you know, it's my understanding there was a mini camp last year, which a couple of guys flew in for a couple of under 20 stars were at that. The same thing will probably happen again this year. So this is just, you know, I think a kitchen, kicking sessions but they get these guys here, they get some scouts there, they, some of the Irish boys who are, I think there's a couple of lads who are, their seasons are finished, are already on their way back. They'll probably invite it down and have a talk to the lads. So it's not going away. Like it's definitely not going away. There is still going to be clubs who will, may, you know, might only be one or two. Um, You look at a guy like Ulton Callum actually, who was supposed to go last year. He suffered a hip injury, you know. So he was supposed to go to free last year. It, it, it didn't happen. They po- pushed it back a year. It's still on the cards that he goes this year. And you know, if anybody watched Romana and someone who goes, he's good this year. Like he's a phenomenal talent in itself. So I I don't think it's you know th- the biggest obstacle right now is definitely the combine. And partly then you know you look you go to Australia and because of COVID really you development manager were cut and soft caps were cut so I don't have the same resources to actually do the scouting. But the clubs who have established networks here already will will absolutely persist with it.
0: That brings around nicely to the amount of Irish women's players who've made the trip across. At this stage, 22, and retention even in Australia has improved for them. We're keeping some of these players from not even coming back over. They've been getting set up with jobs over there, so that they're in Australia 12 months a year. Uh, we know that the league continues to expand in the AFLW, and the season is going to expand in the not-too-distant future as well. This will bring more riches. It will also bring more demands, probably, in some of the players that went over. It's going to change, Morris, I think, compared to when this was the initial stages where some players went out to dip their toes for a few months, played a bit and came back and then played in the summer. Realistically, more and more players are probably going to find their way out to Australia now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Will, the, the really big thing is that when you look at the the structure of the league, so the, I would say we're still kind of maybe in that sweet spot where players would just about manage it. But there's a you know, every year there's a collective bargaining agreement. So some of them last three years, because of difficulty uh, uh, the reason this, you know, I'm sure you were the same looking from Ireland and saying, when is the season actually going to start? Why haven't we got a start date? And the reason that was because they were doing the negotiations for the CBA. Eventually they managed to negotiate a deal, but it was only a one-year deal. So at the end of this year, that's going to renegotiate again. And uh, it's my suspicion that the AFLPA, the Players Association, will strongly push for a full-time, as close to full-time as you will get. So you would have year-round contracts. And not, you know... I think we probably, we're probably at the maximum in terms of the amount that the players can sacrifice, really. Because you still have... I'm not talking about Irish players here now. I'm talking about uh, because of Irish players because of their visa requirements. They can't actually have part-time jobs, even though they some of them actually would want to. But you still have Australians trying to balance work, trying to balance everything else in their lives on top of these contracts. So that actually has you know a very obvious impact on the standard of play that we get on the field. So I, I, we're probably at... We probably squeeze as much as we can out of that, and to take that next step, you would probably would need it to see full-time a full-time professional league, which I guess is what the hope we would get at the end of the CBA. And when that happens, then it's obvious that you can't do both. You know, you you can't get get both. Now, on top of that, because you've got a steady stream of players and you know, you've got a national academy now, which is a couple of years up and running, that will inevitably start producing players, and it will level off. The need to look externally will level off, but it will never go away. You know, it. The, like you know, rest assured, there is already negotiations going on for players to go uh, from some 1st some high-profile players to go next year. That's that's going to continue for at least the next couple of years, and then it might level off, but it will it'll never go away. You know, this this is this is the lay of the land now.
0: Yeah, course Stautum was saying to us a few weeks ago on the show that it's getting to a point now where the money is a little bit better and it is a little bit more attractive. So she was saying that this is going to be a big decision for a lot of players. I mean, even when you hear Vicky Wall saying after the All-Ireland Final this year that she wants to be part of their drive for three in a row next year and will do everything possible to be back for Meath. Realistically, if she has a very good year, she might get a very lucrative offer for her potential second season to just stay in Australia for the calendar year.
1: Yeah, And, you know... Some people might look at it and say, you know, there's these certain tiers in their contracts. So that, that, the the highest tier now, I think, is 70 grand, um, which is, you know, these contracts have increased 94% since last year on, on average. But on top of that, then it, the clubs are very good for tying in, you know appearance related fees for, you know, a couple of days work in a shop for a couple of the Irish players available that too. I think Vicky actually might be doing that in North Melbourne as well. So there's other ways as well that they will take care of you with relocation fees, with apartments, that sort of thing. So it is really, it's becoming a really, previously I think it was the allure of being a part of a professional environment and, you know, being paid to play effectively that you're getting access to all these ma- ma- incredible re- resources. And now on top of that, there is a there is becoming a increasingly a financial incentive.
0: Is the product improving as well, Morris? Because we've had a few conversations around this, and Anthony Miles was here t- a few weeks ago with me, and he was saying that he watched some of the women's final series this year, and he was saying he wasn't much of a fan of the standard of the product, and there was a few one-sided games that he was watching during the playoffs. Is the actual product on the pitch improving
1: now? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I think it, around stuff like this, Will, you have to be, you have to be honest too, and there, there probably is an element of. I remember when I was in Australia and we was, I had conversations about, with people about the media coverage of AFLW. I'm talking about players here now. Mm. And they would often say, that, you know, we probably have got to a stage where the colour pieces and the profiles are all really good. You know, that's really strong. There probably isn't the interest in squads to do injury updates week on week. But what, ne- what, happens, what needs to happen next was my question. And they were saying it's kind of a the, the supplementary stuff. It's, you know, could we get like a fantasy league for AFLW, build interest that way? Could we get a documentary? It just so happens actually that there's a documentary. Uh, I think it's out today. On uh, I've only seen the first episode now, but I think it's out today on Disney, which an AFLW documentary. I would highly recommend that to people, actually, by the way. There's an absolutely cracking scene in the first episode which um Breedstack is asked to stand up and talk to the squad about how many All-Irelands she has and how she won them, uh, again, to kind of prove why she's there to be a leader. Um, so all that stuff. And on top of that as well, they're starting to talk about a bit of more critical analysis, you know, not just the, the superficial stuff, like, can we really get into the, the nitty-gritty of it? And I would say, my biggest criticism of the AFLW over the last, maybe at least the last two years is those mismatches. Like there's teams who are miles apart. You know, you look at some teams and their forward pressure is brilliant. Like they're really good at pinning teams in, they're really, like particularly for the Melbourne teams. And then you look elsewhere and you don't see that level of play. And there, there, there is a real gulf there. And I think a lot of teams, now I know because this is an 18 team, 18 team league now, but it's only a ten. It's only ten games in the season, so you won't play everybody. And I know the FLW are very conscious of trying to split the game so you don't get these mismatches, and everybody has a fairly even fixture list. But inevitably, right, because you've got four new teams. They're not going to be as good as the teams that are there. And you're going to get these one-sided games. And that doesn't do anybody any favours. So it has to be a priority, really, to get them up to level. But in a broader sense, I absolutely think their quality is improving. I think you really have seen teams, particularly some of the, as I mentioned, like I, I watched a lot of Melbourne last year, they, mm-hmm. particularly teams like that who really have made huge advancements. Tactically, their, their ball use is a lot better. You probably would have seen a lot of kind of rook balls, grounds play previously. That, that stuff is starting to really, really develop. I did, saw some cracking games last
0: year. I did wonder about the colour as well, because I think back about, you know the clip that went viral here of Breed Stack when she was called up to the list and yeah. you know, they kind of hidden the fact that she was going to be called up and she was the last name right out and everything. I wondered that that resonate with the Australians in the same way that it probably resonated over here?
1: I... I you know, you know, rest assured. Like this, if I ever this is a league where very conscious because of the, con- the competition within Australia, sporting wise, I mean, this is a league where very good at selling itself. Who are very conscious of the need to sell themselves. So those like they do those. I don't know if you saw the one today, for example, with North Melbourne with um with Erica uh, O'Shea and Vicky Wall, mm-hmm. but they really are good, really brilliant at making a big. Uh, you know, song and dance of this stuff, of selling it properly, the access by all accounts that that documentary got is very good. Um, So that kind of stuff, I think they are, and, you know, even just some of the journalists who cover AFLW are brilliant and they do really great colour pieces. Now, as I say, you don't get the same ready stream of coverage because there is probably isn't the same rhythm as, you know, AFL, for example, Will, they, it's a currency there which is you know breaking news about you know this has gone wrong here this player is going to looking for a contract here the big one now is Buddy Franklin at Sydney Swans who just a bit up in the air about his future and this stuff was just you know, people go up hyperbolic on this sort of stuff, whereas you don't probably get the same stuff in AFLW because it's probably not the same recognition around names. So that element of coverage isn't there. But you, in terms of like features, colour, building it up, um, you, we'll get a couple of double headers this year, which I think is a great thing to see. I mean, double headers as, as, as in AFLW and AFL, which I think is great to see. So from all that element, they, they nail it, really.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, The same arguments as we have here, but double headers as well. Morris, <laughs> yeah. great to catch up as always. Thanks a million. Thanks, Will.